the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through John. Real love is calling, listen, truth opens up your eyes. Mercy is waiting for you with every sunrise. We all understand this. It, it's the way that things become more fruitful. You have to prune back the branches, and it seems very counterintuitive. That in order to get growth, you have to cut the growth back. But this is what God does with us. In order for us to be more fruitful, to represent Him, He has to deal with things in our lives. Even if we're doing well as followers of Christ, we could do even better. And God comes along and says, I see that. And so maybe He needs to prune out, for example, some selfishness. Have you ever been to a vineyard? In a vineyard, a gardener cares for all of the grapevines so that they can produce the best grapes possible. Vineyard care includes watering, fertilizing, and pruning. Now, pruning is a strange concept. You cut off parts of the vine to make it grow better. Seems counterproductive, right? Well, in today's message, Pastor Gary will share with you that God prunes us. He cuts off things that we don't need or aren't benefiting us all so we can be the best that we can be for Him. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of John, chapter 15, as he continues his message, I Am the True Vine. He talks about the branches. He talks about the vine dresser, otherwise known as the gardener. And the ultimate point of this story here in John chapter 15 is found in verse 8. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. So here's the main point of this illustration. Jesus wants us to be fruitful as his disciples. Jesus wants us to be fruitful as his disciples. Now, what exactly does it mean to be fruitful as a follower of Christ? That's one question. And secondly, how do we get there? How do we become fruitful? And so first, what does it mean to be fruitful as a follower of Christ? Well, Paul gives us a list in Galatians chapter 5 about the fruit of the Spirit. And there are nine things that he mentions there in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such, there is no law. In other words, Paul ends that section by saying there's no limitation on these qualities. There's no restriction on these qualities. We should have an abundance of the fruit of the Spirit. And by the way, it is literally the fruit of the Spirit, not fruits. The way that it is written in the language indicates that this is to be accepted and understood as one cluster of fruit. In other words, it's not that Christians can say, 
well, I have a little bit of the fruit of the Spirit, but not all of the fruit of the Spirit, and that's okay. God expects us to demonstrate, to exemplify all of the fruit of the Spirit as a singular thing. So try to picture it as like a cluster of grapes. There are nine grapes in one cluster, and all of it is supposed to be exemplified in the life of a believer. So take personal inventory and think in your own life. How well are you doing with the fruit of the Spirit? What does love look like in your life? Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Are there any areas in your life where we could all stand to be a little bit more fruitful? And so how do we get there? How do we become more fruitful? How do these qualities become uh, more recognized in our lives? Well, in the analogy here in John chapter 15, Jesus speaks about how he is the vine, we are the branches, And God the Father is the vine dresser or the gardener. And he starts out there in verse 1 by saying, I am the true vine. Now, he probably means true in the sense of faithful, not in the sense of the opposite of false, just that he is faithful and true. And the reason why he probably means it that way is because, again, the disciples would have recognized the analogy. Israel was compared and called the vine of the, of the Lord in the Old Testament. In Psalm chapter 80 and Isaiah chapter 5, and let me just explain a little bit from Isaiah chapter 5. There was a rebuke there to the nation of Israel in Isaiah 5, where Isaiah talks about how God planted a vineyard and he tended that vineyard. And he cared for that vineyard. And he loved that vineyard. But then when the vineyard produced grapes, they were wild grapes. And so because of it, God took away the hedges. He took away the protection. And others came and plundered the vineyard and plucked the grapes. And then God says in Isaiah 5 verse 7, at the end of this illustration, in Isaiah 5 7, for the vineyard of the Lord of, uh, of hosts is the house of Israel. And so it was a rebuke. God was saying to the prophet Isaiah in the Old Testament that God loved Israel, planted Israel, took care of Israel, attended Israel in every way, provided for Israel. But Israel decided to become like wild grapes, doing their own thing, rebelling against God. And so God took down the protection, and He allowed other nations to come and to plunder Israel and to pluck the grapes, if you will. And so the disciples of Jesus would have been very familiar with the fact that up until this point, the vine was a reference to the nation of Israel in her rebellion against God. So Jesus comes along and He says, I am the true vine. I am the faithful one. Unlike unfaithful Israel, Jesus is saying, I am the faithful vine. And you, he says, are the branches. And so Jesus, asserting himself here now as the true vine, is looking for followers who are likewise faithful and true. Jesus is saying, unlike unfaithful Israel, I am faithful And I'm looking for followers who will likewise be faithful and true. And then he adds again, verse 8, By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit so that you will be my disciples. And so again, goes back to the second question, how do we become more fruitful? How do we become more fruitful? Well, if you're taking notes, i got three things from this text. And the first one is we become more fruitful, number one, when we abide in Christ. 
When we abide in Christ, in verse 4, it says, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Over and over again, the word abide is used. In fact, 10 times just in John chapter 15 is the word abide used. And it basically means to remain, to stay in fellowship, to stay in close relationship in communion with God. He calls us to abide in Him. And when we remain in close fellowship with Him, we will be fruitful. There is no fruitfulness apart from Christ. We will only exemplify the character of Christ when we are connected to Christ. When Jesus dominates my life, I demonstrate His qualities and His character. When my flesh dominates my life, I demonstrate my qualities and my character, which aren't good at all. In fact, Paul would say in Romans seven eighteen, for I know that in my flesh, in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. Nothing good about us dwells. John the Baptist would say about fruitfulness in Matthew chapter 3, verse 8, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. So that's key. The way I abide with Christ is to keep humbling myself and regularly repent of my own sinfulness so that I might adopt His fruitfulness. We have to always be coming clean with God and confessing our sin and getting right with Him. When I stay close to Jesus, when I abide in Christ, then fruitfulness will be natural. That's true for all of us. A repentant life will be a fruitful life. In verse 5 here in our text, Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. In other words, he says, it'll be the natural result of abiding in him that we will bear much fruit. As long as I abide in Christ, I will be fruitful in Christ. It'll be as natural as the fruit produced by a fruit tree. You know, the branch on an apple tree will produce apples just by virtue of the fact that that branch is connected to the trunk. The same is true for pears. The same is true for peaches. The same is true for grapes. As long as that branch is connected to the trunk or to the vine, it will naturally produce fruit. And so it is when I am abiding with Christ, when we are close to Him, in relation with Him, walking with Him, humbling ourselves, repentive before Him, then we will bear fruit. Another way that we will become more fruitful, number two, is when we are lifted up by Christ. Now, let me show you where we see this. If you look at verses 1 and 2 again, he says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Other translations, I think NIV says, he cuts off. Now, before I explain uh, what this verse means, let me tell you what it does not mean because verse 2 has created a lot of consternation among Christians who read this and think, if I'm not fruitful, He's going to cut me off. He's going to take me away. I'm going to end up in hell, all because I wasn't very fruitful. Okay, that's, that's not what this means. Verse 2 does not mean that if you aren't fruitful, 
that God is going to cut you off or take you away. There is a reference further down in this text about judgment. In verse 6, he says, if anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. Verse 6 is a veiled reference, maybe not so veiled, to judgment and the fire of hell, but it is in reference to those who are not abiding in Christ at all, to those who are not connected to him at all, to those who have rejected him and have no relationship with him at all. There will be judgment. But that's not what verse 2 is talking about. In verse 2, in the New King James, which is what I'm reading from, there is a footnote that the words, when Jesus says, every branch that does not bear fruit, he takes away, or again, NIV says, cuts off, The footnote tells us that takes away can be translated lifts up. It's from the Greek word aero, A-I-R-O, and aero literally means to lift up. Now, let me explain why it can mean that and, and how it fits better in regards to the way that in ancient times that they would grow vineyards. In ancient times, vineyards would grow along the ground. You know, today when you drive through parts of Loudoun County, or even some folks in our church have vineyards, you see very pristine, manicured vineyards where the vines are uh, trained to grow up over these trellises or over these wires or these, or these uh, lines, and so they're up off the ground, and they grow that way. Not in ancient Israel. In ancient Israel, vines would grow along the ground, And then the vine dresser or the gardener would come along, and at the places where it was starting to produce fruit, the vine dresser would place rocks underneath the branches to lift up the branches to get the fruit off of the ground so that then the fruit could grow in a more fruitful way. And if it it weren't using rocks, sometimes they would take a branch and cut it like in the shape of a Y, and use it like a stick to prop up underneath these branches so then the grapes could hang down and get them off the ground. Because if the grapes were on the ground, they were more subject to blight, to disease, to mildew, to insects. So they would come along and lift up these branches and get them up off of the ground. And so this is actually something very encouraging that that Jesus is saying to us here in verse 2. Not discouraging. The way a lot of Christians have been reading verse 2 all these years is that, you know, God's going to cut me off if I'm not fruitful enough and I'm going to hell if I'm not doing good things for Him. Okay, listen. God is pleased by the good things we do to honor Him and to serve Him, but works works never get us to heaven. All right, And so this is a verse that when you look at the original Greek, aero, it really indicates the idea of how God comes along and lifts us up. When you're down, God lifts you up. It, it's pretty hard to be fruitful when you're down and discouraged. And so what does God do? In order to help us to be more fruitful, He comes alongside of us to lift us up when we're down. This is a beautiful verse here. God will come alongside of us and lift us up off of the ground. And I love this analogy because Jesus is telling us that the Father regularly inspects His vineyard to see where the branches are hanging low and that He comes alongside of us to lift us up so that we might be more fruitful for His glory. This is the kind of thing that David alluded to in Psalm chapter 3, 
verse 3, when he wrote this, But you, O Lord, are a shield for me, my glory, and the one who lifts up my head. God is the lifter of our head. Now, when David wrote that in Psalm 3, you can refer later to Psalm 3. The subtitle to Psalm 3 talks about uh, when he was fleeing from his son Absalom. There was a time in David's life where his son Absalom rebelled against David, tried to lead a coup to take over as king, and this just broke the heart of David. And David was grieved over what his son Absalom was trying to do. And he wrote Psalm 3 under that kind of grief. And it's a beautiful picture about how God is the lifter of our heads when we're downcast. Here David is. He's been betrayed by his own son, by his own son who's tried to usurp his his father's authority to take over the, the throne. And David writes Psalm 3 out of the anguish of that personal betrayal. And he talks here about how God is the lifter of his head. It's a picture as if God stoops down and cups David's face in his hands and lifts up his face so that his countenance might be lifted up instead of downcast. This is what God does with us. Psalm 3, verse 3, is a beautiful picture of how God will stoop down to us and cup our faces, so to speak, in his hands and lift us up. He is the lifter of our heads. He is the one when he sees us down and not bearing much fruit, he comes and he props us up. And he lifts us up. Psalm 145 verse 14 says something similar. The Lord upholds all who who fall and raises up all who are bowed down. This is what God does for us. God helps us to be more fruitful by bowing down to lift us up. And number three, we become more fruitful when we are pruned by Christ. John 15, again, verse 2, the latter part of verse 2, he says, And every branch that bears fruit he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. The Greek word here for prunes is kathairo. We get our English word cathartic. When something is personally cleansing to our souls, we say, well, that was very cathartic. That's the word that is used here in the Greek. God comes along and he cleanses us. He prunes us. Now, of the three, this third one is the most uncomfortable when God, prune, when God prunes us. The goal of every Christian should not be to live a comfortable life, but to live a fruitful life. And in order to be fruitful, we from time to time have to go through a process of pruning, where God takes out his pruning shears and he cuts away all the dead stuff in our lives, and he also cuts back some of the growth, in order that we might be even more fruitful. And he deals with things in our hearts that he wants to rid us of so that we, again, would be more fruitful. And so he prunes us. This is that process that God goes through as the vine dresser with us to cut away the dead branches and to cut back the good ones to make us more fruitful. Now, you know how this works. I mean, if you have a garden, if you have Uh, fruit trees, if you have rose bushes, if you have anything that flowers, you know how it is where you have to trim things back in order to make it more fruitful. My my wife's grandmother, who has since gone on to be with the Lord, whenever she'd come over to her house outside, we, we would have flowers and she'd go along and she'd snip off all of the 
dead stuff. And I would always be like, Grandma, why, why are you doing all that? And she said, because the more you cut away all this dead stuff, the more fruitful your, uh, more uh, flowering your, your uh, flowers will be. And so we know this kind of thing to be true. I, several years ago, I uh, was at Home Depot and uh, saw a blueberry bush and decided I'll buy that and I'll plant it in my backyard as if one blueberry bush is going to do much good. I mean, maybe produce enough blueberries for a bowl of cereal every season. But, you know, there I was, got my blueberry bush, planted it in my backyard. And for years, it was completely unfruitful. I mean, it didn't produce a stinking blueberry. And I, I, I'd go out every spring and I'd look at it and, and no blueberries. And I, I wouldn't curse it. But I, but I would certainly pray that God would judge it, you know, and that, and that God would deal with it because it wasn't producing any fruit. And, uh, and then I, I did what we all do. When you want to learn how to do something you don't really know, you consult YouTube. And so I looked at YouTube, and YouTube says, you know, you got to cut blueberry bushes way back because if you do, then it'll become more fruitful. So I went out there with my pruning shears, and seeing as how it hadn't been producing fruit for years, with great joy did I prune that baby back. And when I did, I can tell you, next spring started to produce fruit. Now my battle is to gather it before the birds do. But anyway, we all understand this. It's the way that things become more fruitful. You have to prune back the branches. And it seems very counterintuitive that in order to get growth, you have to cut the growth back. But this is what God does with us. In order for us to be more fruitful, to represent Him, He has to deal with things in our lives. Even if we're doing well as followers of Christ, we could do even better. And God comes along and says, I see that. And so maybe he needs to prune out, for example, some selfishness. And then we become more fruitful for him. And then God says, well, I I see that. And maybe God has to cut out some pride. So we might be more fruitful. And then we're more fruitful. And God says, now I see that. I want to deal with some insecurities. And then God prunes us back even more. So that we might be more fruitful. And then we are. And then God says, well, there's some anger there. I, I need to prune away some anger too. So that we might be more fruitful. And God surgically does it in a very tender way, but he prunes us that we might be more fruitful for him. What are some things perhaps in your life that God needs to trim back? What are some things that he needs to cut out of your life in order that you might be more fruitful? We need to examine our hearts and we need to ask the Lord, Lord, show us those things that hinder our fruitfulness. And Lord, cut out those things. Prune our lives that we might be more fruitful for your glory. In what ways do you need to be more fruitful for Jesus? He tells us here in verse 8, By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. As disciples of Christ, may we bear much fruit for Him by abiding in Christ, by letting Him lift us up that we might be more fruitful, and by inviting Him to prune us back so that we might represent Christ in our lives, in our neighborhoods, in our families, in our world, in our country, as the most fruitful followers of Jesus Christ. Open up and up and jump in and you'll find the cornerstones.
Thanks for tuning in to Cornerstone Connection with Pastor Gary Hamrick. Pastor Gary has been teaching about Jesus, defining who exactly He is and why He's so important to you. Jesus is the I Am, and He can change your life. If you have any questions or would like to share a prayer request with us, please contact us. You can reach us by calling 703-771-1500. You can also listen to more teachings in this series by visiting our website, cornerstoneconnection.cc, or just download our mobile app. That way you'll have biblical messages available to listen to whenever you want, wherever you are. We encourage you to continue reading about Jesus yourself as well. You can find Him in every book of the Bible, but we'd be happy to help point you towards specific scripture pertaining to His life and ministry. Just ask when you call. Again, our number is 703-771-1500. We'd love to meet you too. You're invited to join us this weekend at Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg. We're meeting in person as well as online, and you can find all the information you need on our website. Again, that's cornerstoneconnection.cc. That's all we have time for today. Thanks for tuning in for this Jesus is the I Am series. And we hope you'll join us again right here on Cornerstone Connection. No place to go But still you know